Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. It's a show where we talk about musicals and all the wonderful lessons that we learn from watching them, being in them, listening to them and listening to a podcast about musicals where we learn lessons about the musicals then uh, yeah, I need to stop now. It's a circle. It's I'm a, trying just to, a big it is, circle. It is. It's never ending. Um, I'm trying to fill extra time to, you know, get through the music because we do only have two hosts at the table today. Yeah. Um, It is myself, Miranda Selwood. You would know me from such episodes as most of them. And... Zancy Weber from some of the others. Yes! (laughs) We're so good at this. Um, And I'm so pleased and excited and happy to be welcoming back one of our favourite people and guests. Uh, Melissa, how are you? I am doing lovely today. (laughs) Uh, Melissa comes to us uh, via the Zoom application all the way from Chicago, which Mm -hmm. I believe Mm -hmm. is in Illinois. (laughs) You are, you are correct. Do you know where I learnt that? Where? Um, From a musical (laughs) called Victor Victoria and a great song called Chicago, Illinois. Um, sometimes in that show and various other places, it's pronounced Illinois. Is that just... That's incorrect. That's, that's just wrong. That's what I thought. Is it just... Yeah. Is it like a running joke? Is like some, Like someone used to pronounce it that way and they're like referring to that person? Or is it just like, oh, we needed to rhyme with foist, so we're... Gonna... I think they needed it to rhyme. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so don't listen to the mispronunciation of the word Illinois in Unless some recordings. Unless you're going to do your research about why it's mispronounced that way. <laughs> and if you do that research, please let us know because uh, we're wondering. Um, now, we have met you recently and done the Getting to Know You quiz with you recently. So we're not going to do it again, even though it's our usual second episode. Uh, we you know double check the answers. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But since it was so soon, we're going to skip to the next, which is when we, the hosts, cast the guest in what we think would be their dream role. Well, no, no, what we, what is our dream role for them. For them, yes, that's right. Oh, that's yeah. what I, I was trying to say. <laughs> you should take notes. You absolutely should. Um, so, Zane, go first. Well, I think. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, yeah. So, well, 
Melissa and I met doing Guys and Dolls. And she was amazing and fabulous and perfect for that role. Yes, the end. Um, I think oh, you Sarah could, Brown, that is, by the so, way. Yeah, yeah, sorry, as Sarah Brown. I think you could play that for at least another decade or so. You are, you are still quite the spring chicken. Um, <laughs> however, I would also love to see you take on Eliza Doolittle. Oh, mm. yes. I would love to play Eliza. And like very, I I kind of, I don't think they're that similar of a casting type, but I would love to see see your take on Eliza. The thing that I love about Melissa, now, hi Melissa, I know you're listening. (laughs) Hi. Um, (laughs) It's the best pick me up ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Much like Eliza Doolittle and, and the track of that character, Melissa has this amazing breadth to be really classy and like beautifully, you know, poised. Mm, That's a perfect word for it. But is also, you know, does brashy and rambunctious (laughs) and fun. She has an amazing energy. So to be able to to perform through that entire breadth in a show like My Fair Lady would make it such a perfect role. Um, And I, it's about time Eliza was a redhead. I agree. I agree. She was a redhead in the most recent Broadway revival. Good. Sorry, okay. <laughs> getting really passionate about this. Um, I would also love to see Melissa maybe when she's um, aged a little more as as Dolly in Hello Dolly. Nice. Ooh, yeah. I I think that's that's a role that would really sit in your wheelhouse. Dolly traditionally is like mid to late thirties, right? Yeah, she's not elderly. She's not, she's not an older character, but she but she does need to be past the debutante yes she's been married and had that pass but yeah so I don't think it's that far away yeah and I just want to see you're in that fabulous dress and a giant hat (laughs) I know I was like can I just have the big red feather dress (laughs) that's all I want and and the entrance down the stairs yeah yeah (laughs) um I think pretty much anything that Bette Midler has played um would be (laughs) fabulous for Melissa but you're you're more of a soprano than than Bette Midler's usual belty types right yes yeah Yeah. I definitely definitely live in like the mezzo land like i can sing low but it hurts oh no <laughs> well we don't we don't want to hurt you so no no <laughs> soprano rolls for the win um so are you happy with that casting melissa yes i am quite happy with this casting i have something for now and something for later <laughs> um do you want have you got another dream role you can share with us what's oh I mean, it kind of because it just closed on Broadway, so I might have my chance, but anything in Mean Girls. Preferably not the mom track, because I will eventually play that track. <laughs> I would like to be a teenager first in it. Please. And so now that it's left Broadway, I'm like, regional theater? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. Slap some makeup on me. I could pass. <laughs> you absolutely can. Um, and even on Zoom, you're passing right now. So congratulations. <laughs> um, looking good. Do you, how quickly does that transition happen? A Broadway show closes and then it becomes available for... It moves into regional tour and then yeah. amateur so there's rights? a regional tour already going down of Mean Girls. So I think it might only be like maybe another year or so before... Because the show closed on Broadway before it recouped its original investment, I assume. Otherwise, I feel like they would have made a big deal about it. So most likely they're going to try and get as much money out of it as possible. Plus, you know, every college in the country is going to want 
want that show yes easily so like i see it could hit regional like regional like little equity theaters within the year i wouldn't be surprised yeah something to look forward to yeah, yeah. i wish we had a little bit more of that model in australia the we, dream <laughs> we tend to get shows that do a national tour that's our equivalent of the broadway run yes <laughs> um And then we wait a very long time for them to become available for amateur rights. And there's very little in between what, like the equivalent to the regional tour or um, smaller equity shows like they have in the States. And sometimes the rights for the national tour are bought up and held in stasis. And so the amateur is is put off and put off and put off. But (laughs) enough about the perils of doing theatre in Australia. But you, you guys got like Wicked and Rent and Lame is already so well (laughs) (laughs) that that was a while ago just just to be clear we've had those shows for a while and and also like covid has kind of forced theaters to do things a bit weirdly in the next couple of years i think so we'll see what happens in australia but um shall we shall we move on yes we shall listen to a small piece of music um and then we're going to talk about the show that has been brought to us today annie get your gun Okay, here we are, ready to talk about the fictional story based on the life of uh, Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley was a real person, um, Mm -hmm. but this story is completely made up. It's very uh, just, oh, here's a character that has a a lot of... (laughs) Here's a name that you recognise. It's it's a tall tale. It's a tall tale. Um, All these people existed, but... (laughs) So all of them did. And yes. and did the real Annie Oakley marry as she does in or does she? It doesn't yeah. end with wedding. Well, they don't get married at the end of the musical, but they're together at the end of the musical. Yeah. No, they got married and lived together for many, many years. In fact, I believe the real Annie Oakley passed away first and Frank Butler like passed away of heartbreak like six days later. Like oh they were God. very, very close. They were genuinely in love. <laughs> oh yeah. And fun fact, Thomas Edison shot footage of Annie Oakley shooting. I thought you were going to (laughs) say Thomas Edison shot Annie Oakley. He did not shoot Annie Oakley. But like, she was like right at the turn of the century when moving pictures were starting to, he was experimenting with them. And so there is a moving picture of Annie Oakley shooting clay pigeons. Wow. Which is just cool. We'll have to find it. It's on their okay. Wiki- It's on her Wikipedia article. There you page. go. Okay, I'll link <laughs> it Look in it up, guys. Notes. We'll link it in the show notes if you want to see the real life Annie Oakley. Um, we almost have the real life Annie Oakley here in Melissa, <laughs> who has done this show, is it three times? You've worked three on times. three different productions of, of Annie Get Your Gun. In which capacities? Uh, so I performed as Annie Oakley in a production of the revival version. I was in the ensemble of a production that recreated the original show and then I was also on the tech crew I was the ASM for the 2010 Ravinia production starring Patti Lapone as Annie which was rumored to be a pre-Broadway like should we see if this work idea but it didn't go anywhere after that but it was a lot of fun 
That's amazing. Patty Lapone. <laughs> One step of separation right here. That's it. Like we're, we, we're famous <laughs> She's <now>. lovely. <laughs> she is very kind. Yeah. Aww. She knows she knows what she wants and she's not afraid <laughs> to say it, but she's not crazy. Oh, good. As some people like to think. Yeah. Good to know. You heard it here, folks. Mm, I kind of wish she was. Not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're going to get into talking more about pr- various productions and the uh, numerous rewrites of this show that have happened um and needed to happen over time but first let's do a plot in two minutes uh pick a version and go with it feel free to mix them up a little um (laughs) however however you you see fit i'm gonna get the timer out here's my clock i've got a two minute timer i wish i had some like annie oakley gunshots for it to go off at the end if only anyway last time melissa did this she did it like succinctly and perfectly and under two minutes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so don't say that (laughs) i mean you you put your you put this pressure on yourself you've set the bar high (laughs) and and that was at like four in the morning you're expected to meet it okay here we go. Are you ready? Annie, get yes. your gun. Go. All right. So Annie, get your gun is based on the tall tale of Annie Oakley and Frank Butler. Uh, put your minds in like the way oldie times. So Annie Oakley is a younger-ish person who is a sharpshooter. Uh, and she's going, she goes to a hotel to try and sell some of like the goose and things that she has sold or shot to the hotel to make money to feed her family. When she's there, she realizes that there's another sharpshooter in town named Frank Butler. And they've put out a $100 like cash prize for whoever can outshoot Frank Butler. The... Uh, Uh, hotel owner is like, oh, I'm going to make myself $100 today. And so he enters Annie into the competition. While waiting for the competition to start, Frank Butler walks in and Annie Oakley is like, and and so she falls right for him. But Frank is all like, oh no, I prefer a lady, a lady rather than like Annie Oakley is a, is filthy. She's got lots of stuff. She's got pants. She carries a gun. She is not the picture of a lady in that time period. So she's like, oh, and he's like, and so they go on, they come in and do the actual shooting match and she crushes him and so frank butler was with the buffalo bill yeah buffalo bill colonel buffalo bill yep colonel buffalo bill's uh, wild west touring show which was super popular at the turn of the century buffalo bill sees her sees how good she'll be for the show i think of it like a vaudeville sideshowy things so he has her come and join the show they start doing the thing so as they do the thing frank butler starts being like oh she's so sweet she's so kind she's so down to earth and he starts falling for her now the show is not making a lot of money so buffalo bill is like you know what new and like crazy a girl shooting so we're gonna debut this big fancy trick and so annie oakley at the end of act one is like frank i want you to come see my trick it's gonna be amazing and i just want you to be there frank sees it and goes "Mm, this is something i cannot stand i cannot have my woman outshining me and he leaves and the end of act one she's devastated (sighs) intermission everyone goes on tours and so she does a tour of europe and he does a tour of the u.s they both meet up back in new york because both of their shows are losing money but they think the other one just had crazy wild success so then they hold this like big party Uh-oh. to be like hey do you have money You're do you have trouble. money i think we all You're, my time up yeah 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 oh, <laughs> keep going because i'm just You're enjoying close. it so okay close. so big party and they're like hey do you have money do you have money and then everyone's like no no one has any money however annie oakley does have a chest full of jewels that were all given to her for shooting prizes by all like the crown princes of europe mm. so they decide to hold one last shooting match and the winner of the shooting match gets the money however both of them decide to throw the match so that the other person wins so that they can be together again and fall in love and that's the end of the show 
Aww. Um, so you've gone with the revival plot there, uh, which, no? No, that's the original. The revival plot has a whole subplot that I didn't even touch. In the, um, in the original, it, is it not only Annie that throws it? Throws the last contest. It throws all over the place. I guess in the original, it it changes. I feel like in the first first one, Annie was the one who threw it. In like the next one, Frank threw it, and then in the next revival, they both threw it. And it was a tie. And it was a tie. I think that's kind of the version everyone goes with now because yeah. it's just sweeter. <laughs> yeah, I do have some problems with the uh, whole concept of right at the start. Um, Annie sings a song saying, "You can't get a man with a gun." Um, it's a great. Mm-hmm. song great song it talks about like you can shoot ducks and drag them home but you can't shoot men and drag them home to be a husband yeah i mean um, you can but they won't is... be your husband <laughs> like you're not dragging the duck home to marry them annie <laughs> but that's her point right so this it's a cute song and and it kind of makes sense even in the context of the time in which it's set but then throughout the um, the show, you know, she gets prettier and more ladylike in looks, at least, although she's still mm-hmm. um, down to earth Annie on the inside. She learns um, to read. She learns to read, which is um, amazing. Uh, and it's not until she changes herself into the thing that he wanted that he then becomes interested in her. And then she starts to excel and outshine him. So he throws a tantrum and leaves. And then when they meet up again, he's like, oh, I guess... I like you now because you're terrible at your job again. Yeah. It's, you know, she has to throw the contest to win the man because you can't get a man with a gun. You can't be good at what you do to attract a man. You have to be submissive no, you, and Well, no, you, can, you can be good at what you do. You just have to be not as good as the man. <laughs> Or what you do needs to be cooking and cleaning. Which I think is, we are I'm getting just... into lessons. Yeah. So <laughs> I will say though, this, this is where that is where the show differentiates extremely from the historical record. The historical record is that they met at that shooting match and were married within a year. So and then they toured together, and Frank actually stepped aside and became more of her manager, so that Annie could be the star. So like that's where like the musical and the original life are very very different. So why not make a musical about that great? real story yeah like I I just I think um so this was written in the 40s um I I believe that they had to convince Irvin Berlin to do it so originally he was a bit like uh they had somebody else on in line to to write the music and um oh who wrote I really should have looked it up before I'm looking it up right now uh Dorothy Fields yeah Dorothy and Herbert Fields were writing the uh lyrics and the Mm. book so Dorothy Fields um was writing the lyrics and then Dorothy and Herbert were writing the book together and um, they were talking Looks like they to, asked Jerome Kern. They asked Jerome Kern to do it, but then Jerome Kern got really sick. And, and died. And died, yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I thought really sick was enough, but uh, <laughs> Jerome Kern died and uh, he well, was he not killed died. by... I don't want to give him a bad rap for passing on this show. <laughs> um, so they were going to ask Irving Berlin to do it. And at the time he was saying, oh, well, I'm really used to just writing songs that are just songs that yeah, then you yeah. write a plot around and shove into things. Show within a show kind yeah, of songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I feel about writing... A story musical. Musical theatre. Mm. Like 
that we as we know it today, rather than that music hall concept of here's I a funny song. I want to change. Yeah, so he was he was concerned about writing s- songs for particular situations within the plot, um, but in the end agreed to do it. And Dorothy Field stepped back from writing the lyrics at that point. So. Um, so she was just working on the book. And she did that very deliberately to say, I know Irving Berlin likes to do both, so I'm just going to be over here if he needs me because we want him to do it. And that had a lot just to do with... Just like Annie Oakley. <laughs> just like Annie Oakley. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so the show opened in 1946 on Broadway and soon did, did tours quite quickly in other places. So this was a time in, in musical theatre theatre history where shows did Broadway or West End and immediately were everywhere. everywhere. Um, So we even got an Australian tour in 1947. We had it here the year after. Wow. Um, And I imagine that in 1947... Plus it's right at the end of of World World War War II. Yeah. Yeah. World War II ended in 46. So like this is all like right in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it is. Anyway. Like that's a lot of producing work to like try and put this all together while the earth is trying to like repair itself after a world war. They're like, let's bring the show everywhere. Well, Broadway was doing great guns during particularly the, the, the last half of, yeah. of the world war, that the depression true. right through because, mm. uh, you know, people needed it. They needed escapism and the hope and joy that Broadway gave them. Um, but my point is, I, I feel like this show in 1947 in Australia, Australia would have done oh, really well. Gangbusters. Gangbusters. Yeah. Because of the way it portrayed those characters and those roles. It says here's a here's a rambunctious. I think even now dirty. in rural Australia, like this would be this would be really well received. I just can't deal with the sexism. No, well, and I think that's <laughs> and, part of the point. <laughs> and the racism, which uh, yeah. became so problematic. We'll yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the original production in the 40s. It, it's The film came quite soon after in 1950. So it is like almost exactly the stage show is that would is that fair i believe so yeah, yeah. i believe so and then who is it? it's betty hudden hudson who's in the movie? yes but it yeah. was judy garland Ooh. I know I, yeah judy garland was the original but and she did some tests there is footage of her doing a couple of the numbers that exists in the internet but uh i think i was right when things were starting to really go south for her so she had to pull out of it uh, yeah she was going through her period of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exhaustion. I'm so exhausted. I actually can't imagine Judy Garland in that role. But it would be an interesting. It would be difference. Judy Garland as Annie Oakley. Yeah. It wouldn't be Annie Oakley. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Um. So they went with a a relative newcomer. Um. In I am going to find her actual name. Betty Hutton. Betty Hutton. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was close. Yeah. So she she was a a Broadway performer. And when you watch the movie, you can really see that exaggerated yeah. stage presence. But um, fantastic voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also important to note that this show came out before microphones existed. So all of these songs were oof. sung to the back of houses without amplification. I guess, I mean, anything you can do, I can do better would be great without a microphone, I think. Because <laughs> you'd really actually be competing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
who opened the original product? Who's the original? Was it Ethel Merman? Annie Get yep. Your Gun. Merman. Merman. Who came back 20 years later to do the first uh, revival. What? Yeah, so 46 yep. and 66. And that was when they they did a bunch of rewrites then, but they still yes, had yeah. the did they did a few rewrites, but not a not they didn't really the ninety nine revival really one, changed yeah. it. This one they just like sort of tweaked it, and it's hard because there's not a lot of uh, footage of the original show that exists or like scripts. Everything's of that sixty six revival. Yeah. So that still had the um, the <laughs> extremely racist. Um, um, Indian I'm an Indian too. Yes. And I'm it was an Indian still too. there in the 60s. In yeah. the 60s. Um, but that was about the time when people started thinking, hey, maybe that's not okay. And uh, in fact, um, a lot of Native Americans um, were very upset about it. Um, I believe there was like picketing and boycotts. Yeah, they were protesting yeah. at the during that Broadway run. Well, the um, the only other person that I can find of the original cast to come back for the revival was uh, Harry Balliver as Chief Sitting Bull. Yeah. Very clearly not an Indigenous American. Mm. <laughs> um, so that that is, I mean, I think that that pretty accurately describes uh, what they were looking at when they were yeah. casting that. It's like it's not they're not going for sensitivity or like anything like no. that. Um, yeah, but it, but it was a a period of time that mid to late sixties, going mm-hmm. into the seventies, where all of this um, started to become. You know, mm-hmm. a focus. I think the civil rights movement yeah. really pushed the concept of race and how race, uh, racial equality forward, and so it started to be something that people thought about. Yes, in the like broader sense. And I, I think I don't know. It was it could have been very easy for this show to just you know dive under the covers at this point and yeah. never be seen again. So um, it's interesting that that it got picked up and and I, we were saying before. I think it's. I think it's on virtue of the music in this show. Would you mm-hmm. agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you sing, there's no business like show business. Even people who have no idea what Broadway is know that song. <laughs> um, even people who have never seen Annie Oakley know that song. But perhaps people who saw a completely different film called <laughs> There's No Business Like Show Business um, would know that song. So if you're wondering... Um, you know, where you might have seen it, uh, even though you've never seen this particular show, that's where it is. Um, mm-hmm. And that that was classic Irving Berlin, just throw songs in everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it wasn't just Berlin. Like, that no. was the no. style of the time. It was the style of the time, correct. Um, I, I, know, I was listening to the score earlier today and I was like, oh, I forgot about so many of these. The Moonshine Lullaby. And like, there's so many just good. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. Like there's so many classic songs mm-hmm. sitting in this that became just like pop tunes of the era. They did. They did. Um, is this a, a big chorus show? Uh, yes and no. Like there are a few big chorus numbers. It's definitely more of a chorus show in the revival when they added a secondary plot that was very like, we're the dancing secondary couple who sings two <laughs> numbers while there's dances. But like, it's definitely a show that like 
probably had a singing chorus and a dancing chorus to it. Cause like I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night is a huge dance and musical number, but most of the show is sung by Frank and Annie. So it does seem that way. Yes. Um, there are occasional moments I think uh, where the chorus chimes in and I think that seems really unnecessary. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one early on a number that Frank sings and he's singing it. Oh no, maybe it's the end of act one. Um, um, he's singing this that I'm just a bad bad man oh. or the girl that I marry no no my defenses are down defenses my are defenses down. are down that's the <laughs> one she's on it um where he's singing it it's it's a solo it has words that say a thing and he appears to finish the song and oh no here's another verse where a random bunch of cowboys are now singing with him random bunch of cow- yep. look for no reason come on <laughs> I mean they were all just listening to him they're just reiterating his thoughts your him. defenses are down. You're right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can tell your defenses are down. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's what they're I saying. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, do we ha- so the big thing that the revival in the 90s did was um, readdress the uh, American Indian plot lines um, and take out that song. <laughs> so where yeah. that song appears in the original... Uh, what's happening in the show. It's uh, actually right at the Act 1 finale. So this is based on a true story. So Chief Sitting Bull did adopt Annie Oakley as his adopted daughter, which is lovely. So it's the end of Act 2, or end of Act 1, right after Annie Oakley did the big shooting trick, and Frank is like, oh no, I'm sad. In the original, all of a sudden, Chief Sitting Bull comes in and is like, hey, you're going to be my daughter now. Let's do a big celebration. And then that was the end of Act 1. And so when that got removed, all of a sudden, Act the end of act one becomes uh annie oakley singing there's no business like show business and like kind of being like what do i do and that's then the end of act one is she sees him leave and like it's a little bit more of a like ah what do i have to like i've i have show business now but i've lost this so like it becomes a lot more poignant in without it yeah and a lot less racist yes yes um and if you do want to see that song and be horrified by it it (laughs) is in the film uh But I I can see how it would have been a fun, uh, culturally interesting moment in the original show. Just looking at it with a modern eye, it, it's completely inappropriate. So I'm glad it's gone. Um, any any other fun facts about Annie Get You Gone? Oh, so as someone who played Annie, the shooting tricks is, I think, part of the funnest part of the show. Like, I learned how to twirl pistols. Uh, Annie Oakley makes her entrance on stage by shooting the bird off of a character's hat. And so normally <laughs> what it is is that you have the bird attached to the hat, but it's sitting on a mousetrap. And that mouse trap is attached to fishing line. And so the actress who's wearing the hat would just go, ah, on the, um, when the bang happens and pull the cord and the, and the bird will go flying off, off the hat. And then Annie Oakley walks on stage. Like it's <laughs> like, there's a lot of just like fun things that happen in that show that you don't normally get to do. Yeah. I was going to ask her, what is her big trick that she does? 
on stage. So in the revival, the trick is it normally involves balloons. So like people either have like balloons on their hats with a push pin or what we did is like they held the balloons on their forehead and then they had a push pin in their other hand and they would shoot it. But it's normally involves some sort of balloons that uh-huh. get popped. So not like the film where she's riding a horse standing on it shooting things. Correct. Yeah, because I There's imagine that no would be difficult to reproduce on, on stage. <laughs> Yeah. They had me sit a platform thing that they were spinning while I shot stuff. So Now this is an idea that's just come into my head, but has anybody ever thought about doing the arena spectacular production of Annie Get Your Gun <laughs> with like horses and I mean it would really stampede? lend itself well. I know. Because <laughs> it's got the big spectacle. Yes. And Imagine you could do all the like the clay shooting be. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, practice your <laughs> shooting skills, Melissa, because we're going to get you in to do the arena <laughs> spectacular of Annie Get Your Gun. Um, we, I, I have not looked for a, a bad review without Julie because she's not here. Um, and I kind of don't want to. No. Because I, I think I know what it's going to yeah, say. I think, I think we know what and it's going to say. And we've already addressed it. Um, mm-hmm. So perhaps we should just move on to lessons. Okay. Let's move on to the lessons we've learned from Annie Get Your Gun. Uh, I think the funniest one... That's okay. We forgive you. Um, What is the funniest one? All right. So the first song that Annie Oakley sings in the show is called Doing What Comes Naturally. Love that song. Because the hotel guy's like, how do you know how to shoot? And and she's like, well, when my mom and pa, they would just go behind a tree and they were doing what comes naturally. And this is just doing what comes naturally to me. And it's just, and it's Annie. And then it's three kid actors singing a whole song about doing what comes naturally. And it's just all these veiled metaphors for things. It's great. For things. (laughs) in inverted commas yes (laughs) it's a great song truly it is it's a it's a bit of a list song which i i think was a very popular form at that time that 30s and 40s musicals have a lot of these where they say here's here's a funny joke and now i'm going to give you twenty thousand examples (laughs) of why it's funny um but it never gets old for me i just love it i love it okay So we've learned about doing what comes naturally. We also learned that you can't get a man with a gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the titles of the songs are lessons right lessons there. Right there. Just, I, uh... I do think the sun in the morning and the moon at night is a nice one because it's how like, even if I don't have diamonds or I don't have pearls or I don't have a yacht, if I have the sun in the morning and the moon at night, things are going okay. Like yeah. life keeps moving on, which is, that's nice. That's a good philosophy. Mm. A good one to take away. Um, I, I guess I learned in a roundabout way about Annie Oakley, who, um, you know, truly was a Wild West hero of of the Americas. As someone who got into musical theatre later than most people, I would say, uh, I did not know that she was a real person. I only knew of her from the movie and the and the and the songs so yeah i learned about annie oakley from the musical and the movie i guess yes you did mm. the- yeah, i feel like there's not a lot of musicals that are based on just like a historical figure hamilton that are this sexist <laughs> all I mean, right yes. hamilton but like hamilton i feel like covers a whole like concept of the creation of the country yes while yes. this is like one person's life journey because even 1776 even though it is like about a historical event Barnum. it really is about that event rather than this show's really about her life and her journey yeah yeah, yeah it does. i mean we are getting more like bio musicals using the music of those people but- yeah those don't count <laughs> 
Thank you. Well, Thank you. It's I a agree. very different form, and that yeah. that's the yeah. difference between having a, a bio musical where you say this is this person's life, and we change a few things to make it work artistically, but you know, it's based on their life. This isn't. This is here's a character that we know yeah. and love, and we've written a musical about this character. Like yeah. it's a it's a little bit more sort of we're reinventing her story. Yeah, this isn't her story, but it's got a name in it. Yeah, so. and, and we've like back then it was something. either like you did a show based on a play or based on a book and like that's what a lot of things were or based on like someone's personal memory so I think it's interesting that this is one of the first times that we see someone take like this is a historical story and I'm going to turn it into a show without having like a book or a play to pull it from yeah um I I learned that uh Rodgers and Hammerstein had their fingers in a lot of pies this um production was produced by Rodgers and Hammerstein huh Hmm. because uh when was Oklahoma 43 just before it just before it so they've come Coming off the success of Oklahoma, they had some cash lying around, I guess, um, and they were—they began self-producing. So from that point on, rather than go to a producer and say, here's our show, let's do it together, they started producing their own work themselves um, as the Rodgers and Hammerstein Company. And uh, at that same time, they started producing other people's work. And I, I oh. never knew that no, until no, I started yeah. reading about this production and how it came about. And it was produced by... Rogers and Hammerstone. So there you go. I hmm. learned that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so many lessons. Um, I I think there's some lessons to be learned in here about um, even if it's a little bit of a gee I'm looking at this and it isn't really happening <laughs> the way I agree and accept um, about being yourself and not not really having to change to be loved and accepted and again I come back to this thing of I don't understand why they took a real story where that was the case yeah, yeah. and turned it into a um, at that time more socially acceptable but now not not at all. <laughs> um, they greased it up. Format of, yeah. I think it might also be a little bit of they wanted to make her pretty. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, back then, how many big, big stars did you see play a non-beautiful character for a while on a show? Yeah, true. That just wasn't done. No. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> There's a montage in the film of her doing a lot of things to make particularly her skin look nicer. So when she starts at the start of the film, she's she's freckled. And these are like dark spots. And within the first tour, which I assume was a few months or maybe a year, um, she's managed to scrub them off with lemons. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, that's not in the actual musical. That's a movie thing. That's a movie <laughs> thing. Yeah, that, that montage. But from watching the film, um, I learned that you can scrub freckles off with lemons, apparently. Apparently. I mean... Oh, uh, it's probably bleaching, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And then she has this beautiful, like, peachy skin. I'm not sure that it would have that exact effect. Um, you have years of skin <laughs> hardened by the sun. Just rub a little lemon on it. Yeah. There you go. Just, just rub a little lemon on it. You heard it here. Uh, <laughs> that'll that'll fix it. Any more lessons that we learned from Annie Get Your Gun? Irving Berlin is a genius. And if you do nothing else after this, go listen to the score and read about the actual Annie Oakley. Good advice. 
Um, of the, the longevity of Ethel Merman's talent, like doing the mm-hmm. same role twenty years apart, and it is technically like a very energetic role. Yeah, uh, like you're yeah, the well, only well person done. I think of in modern day who could do that. Just pick up a role twenty years later and do it again. Patty, Patty Lapone, mm. company, yeah. company, yeah. God, Patty. man, <laughs> <laughs> this is a great showcase role for um for a fabulous female performer. And mm. as we were saying before. It, it, has this reputation as this brassy, brash character. Um, but she does get some some lovely um, you know, love I got songs. lost in his arms yeah. at the top of Act 2. It's just yeah. her sitting on a trunk on a boat singing about how, like, what love feels like. Because she didn't know what the concept of love was until Frank explained it to her earlier in Act 1. That oh. she didn't have words for that feeling because love wasn't a thing in her life yet. That's so sad. <laughs> But then she learned and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, and, you know, again, I, you would have been amazing in this role. I would have loved to see you in this role because that's, that's the breadth of your beautiful character. And on that note, let's talk again. about... I'm, I'm holding on to the Ethel Merman 20 years later. You can do it later. 20 years later. Um, uh, let's move on to casting. I'm going to dreamcast uh, Melissa Crabtree in the Arena Spectacular production <laughs> that we'll be doing soon. How 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 is your horse personship? I was thrown off a horse as a kid and never kind of went back. <laughs> well, but I would learn back. for this. <laughs> I would learn. Um, and I'm going to confidently cast Zac Efron as your Frank. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I accept. Um, I just I just think it would be great. <laughs> For publicity, <laughs> I mean, Frank, I know, I Frank isn't to... a deep, a deep character. I think he would be fo- perfect for. Yeah, it's a very superficial Frank, character. Yeah. I was like, it's a little deep of a voice. Like it's yeah. traditionally that like rich baritone, but I'm sure he has it by now. Yeah, sure, of course he does. And he if can not, do we'll just dub him like they did in the first movie. So. Yeah, we'll just dub him. <laughs> In the arena, spectacular. I think dubbing a live performance would be interesting. I have a bit of a weird pick for Annie. Yes. Just a regular one. Now, it it would have to be a younger version of this person because she's probably aged out of it now, Ethel Merman notwithstanding. Uh, I I would like to see Megan Mullally play Annie. Oh, (laughs) yeah. She could still do it. uh, She definitely (laughs) could. Uh, I think she would struggle to play a, a young woman um, maybe. maybe, maybe, but but I would, yeah, I would love to see Megan Mullally. Just just the energy that she has, um, and, and a, a kind of the fire that she brings to her roles. Speaking of Megan's, uh, Megan Hilty has played it, and I'm sure that was amazing. Um, but that was in a you know semi staged or concert version, mm. so um, I'm also going to put her up for the next Broadway revival, I suppose. Oh, I think gonna... Ashley Park would be fantastic. Uh, context for me for Ashley Park uh, original Gretchen in Mean Girls she mm-hmm. was also um, Tipton in the uh, King and I revival she was supposed to be Millie in the Thoroughly Modern Millie revival uh, at the Kennedy Center in April this past year they were rewriting that script to address its racist <laughs> issues and, uh, and like, I think thing. she'd be great because she's got the funny but she's also yeah. got this stunning voice Yeah, and just like 
Yeah, I think it'd be my pick. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. How about some more Franks? Do we have any more romantic leads to play a gunslinging Frank Butler? Channing who's, Tatum. Who's actually very fancy. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Yeah. Okay. And tall. They gotta be tall. So tall. Um, Dolly I'm, Tate. Dolly Tate is the flamboyant fl- showgirl sidekick yeah. Yeah. who thinks that Frank loves her. She's like the opposite of Annie. <laughs> But Any ideas? not all there. Oh, so. uh, um, I think Megan Hilty would rock that too. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yes. Uh. <laughs> and basically, anyone who's played Dolly in Hello Dolly could probably just transfer yeah. straight over to a Dolly. The tape. character does almost nothing, so it could realistically it just be has played to look by super anyone. fancy. I mean, yeah, I mean, a young Bernadette would be great there as well. Like Bernadette Peters to, has played Annie Oakley. It's true, she has. Uh, but I was just thinking, like, literally anyone who's who's played uh, what is the uh, the character Dolly. in Annie, Miss Hannigan? No, the, the <laughs> Grace Roo- Farrell. Oh, Grace Farrell. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, Buffalo Bill, who is the uh, slightly older gent who runs the the show, mm-hmm. Vince D'Onofrio. Okay, mm. who's Ooh, that? Patrick Page would be fun. It'd Patrick be fun to Page see him in a like fun. in a like a little bit more of a show busy role. Yeah. Rather yep. than the, I'm going to sing in the basement and be a villain. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a few more characters to fill out. Do we have any chief sitting balls? Like, I don't want to, I don't really know. I don't know. Just, I'm just going to say no. I'm just, I don't have one. Yeah. Um, no. Just, you know, hold proper auditions and cast a suitably you know, person. Please. <laughs> Anyone who's doing the show, just cast a person just suitably. Cast... And if you don't have them, don't do the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting concept, Melissa. We'll have to get you on a special episode just to talk about that um, another time. Um, I'm happy with that cast. I'm yeah. happy to run with that. I know, like, realistically in this show, it's all about having a really solid Annie and Frank that have fantastic chemistry yeah. and can hold a show on their own each. And then everybody else is really just the They're foundation dressing. for them to stand yeah. on and for them to have costume changes. <laughs> that's important. It's important to have costume changes. Especially and- if you're going to get rid of all those freckles. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Lots of lemons. <laughs> so many lemons backstage. Uh, let's move on to top five lists and see if we can fit the lemons in again. Top five gunplay musicals. <laughs> it's this and Assassins. That's it. No. <laughs> Um, um, there, there is. It's not like celebrated, but in I get. I guess uh, Miss Saigon. Bonnie and Clyde. Miss Saigon. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. There's a lot of shooting uh, in Bonnie and Clyde. Very true. Yeah. Mm. This is a great list. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, these are fun. Um, <laughs> is Calamity Jane on that list? Uh, she does, she's not known for shooting, but I'm pretty sure I've seen her wander is, around with a gun. This but, is why. But that's the thing, like gun players, like having fun with guns. See, but if you say that, then it's like guys and dolls can be in it because they're gangsters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I feel like okay. the guns have to be important to the plot. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. I do get um, Calamity Jane and Annie Gets Your Gun mixed up a lot because that's true, of the yeah. similarities of those two characters. Um, <laughs> but. 
Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say top five Ethel Merman performances. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, having, because she's the one that I listened to first and most recently. Um, but also, like, when I think Ethel Merman, I think Annie Got Gun. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one more than I think her performance in Gypsy, mm. which is her other, like, big, big one. one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I certainly, mean, Gypsy's also definitely on that five. list. Certainly yeah. top yeah. five. I mean, I would perchance to put this on a list of, like, top five show vehicle for women shows. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, Gypsy. Like, I feel like there's not as, well, there just isn't. There's not as many shows where it's really the female title lead makes or breaks it. Yeah. Mm. Wicked, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, they're more but even then, it's shows. two. Like, how many mm. times is it like the single female carries the show? Fair, yes. In the like, titular Hello, role. <laughs> um, top five much needed rewrites. Yeah. I, well, would, you, would you say top five improvements for from original to revival? revival Recontextualization. Because the, the, yeah. they really did a lot. They even added like a show within a show and changed the opening number. Mm. And like they did a lot of work to it. It's so like, it's definitely a lot better than it was, but and the basic it still could use like same. another pass. Yeah. <laughs> One more pass. Uh, well, maybe we can look forward to that in the next, oh, we'd be almost due for the next, you know, twenty-year cycle yeah. of revivals yeah. for, for well, Annie. Well, technically, we are due because it was ninety-nine. Yeah, it's your ninety-nine. Well, let's get on to well, it. Well, we then. were going to get Millie this year, and I feel like Millie's a little <laughs> not uh, Millie's just as bad, but like Millie at least is a little fresher in yeah. the yeah yeah. <laughs> we got a Kiss Me Kate revival instead. I think is do, what, what do, happened. Do you think it would make top five problematic musicals? I do. The original? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Uh, top five? Based on that song. Even based on... But, but it's the combination of the racism and sexism <laughs> yeah. that, that really get me. <laughs> get my goat. <laughs> you know, it's not just one or the other. There, there's other shows like South Pacific where it's it has some cultural insensitivity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but at least... It's that, addressed that, in that show and it's not addressed at all in this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's fair. just the joke. Yeah. Boo. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's hurry through some more top fives. Um, Top five um, shows. Top five rags to riches. I I don't know. Oh, sort of. It's a fun costume. I mean, how often do you go from stage dirt to ball gown? (laughs) Cinderella gets to do that. Eliza Doolittle. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's pretty much it. Dirt to ball gown. Yeah. Dirt to ball gown. Top five. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know how to say it, but um, there's no business like show business in the top five um, songs you didn't know came from From the show they came from. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people know that from the movie, there's no business like show business and various other iterations, the use of that song, but don't know that it came from this. Also, uh, maybe even anything you can do, I can do better because I knew that song before I knew this show. Yeah. Yeah. Was that also in that movie? I'm Bitballing. That movie. Do not There's know. no business like show business. Oh, I have no idea. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't answer that question. All right. I just simply don't know. Okay. <laughs> I could look it up, but my arm is leaning on this chair, so <laughs> can't reach my keyboard. Listeners, if you know, <laughs> please do our homework for us. Uh, what other shows has... There's no. Um, I okay. No, I wouldn't put it in top five shows with kids. It was one of the first shows that had like actual kid characters in it. Okay, Which, that's kind of fun. But I don't. There's better ones now. So yes, yeah. This is pre the sound of music, which is always going to top that list, right? Or oh, is yeah. Annie on the top of that? Oliver, think, no. Mm. With Matilda, <laughs> Mat- mm-hmm. maybe yeah. some School of Rock. There's a lot of much more, <laughs> much yes. better ones. Um, 
other top fives. Top fives. Would top you fives. put this top five Irving Berlin? Yeah. Because like, uh, like, I feel like again, this is his most famous one. And it's White like Christmas. his attempt at a story musical as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I well, the White Christmas, though, if we're talking just musicals, the White Christmas musical, it's okay. Yeah. Like you, you love it because it's nostalgic. You don't love it because it's spectacular on its own. Yeah. Fair enough. Either way, it's still top five. Yeah, you I'm reckon? Let, yeah. 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 Cool. Done. Irving Berlin. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he loved to write uh, very work with really American material. He was yeah. a he was mm-hmm. very proud American. Very patriotic. So I think that um, this would have been good project for him, and it shows yeah. that he enjoyed. Maybe it. a top five Americana musical. Yes. Mm. Would yes. assassins be on that list? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who's Americana list we're making. <laughs> Um, I, I would just like to ask, we, we did touch on it a bit earlier, but I'd like to ask both of you because of your casting types. Do you think that this would be on top five vehicles for a female performer to show off? Like if oh, you yeah. think that this would be like top five like roles. So like if you're playing this, you get you get to really showcase what you're about. Yeah. Especially oh, yeah. If, I, it's, I, yeah. Especially if you're a belty comedian. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, um, but there, there even, are also like emotional beats. Yes, but even those with. emotional beats are often shrouded in, in a comedic yeah. um, blend, you know. Um, she's... She's a character who was built to be laughed at and yeah, with. Yeah. And I think it or that almost emphasizes those emotional moments where she's she has realizations and, and feelings mm. that you know don't fit in that. Now this is a question box. just for you. Do you think that Annie Oakley is a young drunk mother? <laughs> no, I don't. You don't think that she grows up to be that drunk that mother. fun drunk mother? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Because she's not a party girl. She's not that kind of fun and rambunctious. Yeah, but the drunk she's... mother stereotype isn't a party girl either. <laughs> yeah, it's it's is. more just kind of the older comedian role. I guess, yeah. I guess. Um, my question is, um, is, is there a correlation of Annie to Annie being the rambunctious redhead I in think, yeah. Annie? If Annie grew and up and time growing traveled. up to be Annie Oakley. <laughs> I do believe that Audrey McDonald, Audrey, not Audrey McDonald, Audrey McCurl, or whoever the original Annie was, played Annie Oakley yeah. in some big productions of later course in her she did. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Like, yeah. if time travel was involved, definitely, like, Annie <laughs> could be Annie Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> you just chalk it up. What's the next Annie after Annie Oakley? Uh, I don't think there are any others. I mean, well, there aren't any others called Annie, I don't think. No. But right. I mean, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Yeah, Dolly. Yeah. I think Dolly would probably be the next. And then or does she become Gypsy? character in his. Oh, maybe. Oh. She does. She, yeah, she gets into show business. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> we've gone a little off uh, point there. If we finish with top fives, then this is unfortunately the time when we have to say goodbye to our own Annie Oakley. Oh. Um, Melissa Crabtree. Oh. Um, is there anything you've got coming up around or that you'd want to plug? Uh, well, I, I own a Broadway-themed stationary brand called An Actor Plan. So I've got cat stickers doing cat things on Broadway, which is very fun. You can I find will it vouch. at anactorplans.com. I will vouch that these are adorable. They are. They are, <laughs> absolutely and, and also, just to clarify, uh, when Melissa says they're cats doing cat things on Broadway, she's not talking about Cats, cats the musical. She's talking about... <laughs> Correct. A 
awesome cartoon cat of her real cat Mabel um, <laughs> doing lots of different roles um, and the Hamilton set I think is still my favourite oh yeah. oh it's pretty good yeah. I mean King George says awesome yes. now so <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you love Cats and Broadway or even just one of those two things uh, get onto an actor plans and order yourself some super fun stuff um, the, the planner thing is becoming pretty big yes yes I think especially after 2020, where all of a sudden there were no plans, everyone is very like, I will make plans, I'm even if it plans. is going to my couch and watching Bridgerton. I'm going Bridgerton. to keep them, and I'm going I'm going to put cute stickers in there so that I stick to it. Yes. Um, the other thing that you stock that I absolutely love is um, a set of planner stickers, specifically for uh, when you're in rehearsal, mm. coming up to performances for a show, so they have lots of little things. So instead of having to write boring Ten rehearsal, rehearsal seven to every Wednesday and you know for weeks at a time you can just get this set and just stick these fancy stickers in it all over your planner and then you'll be even more excited about going to rehearsal every day right yes mm-hmm. yeah sure <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Um, and if you want to find Musicals Taught Me um, on the web, you know, after you've finished ordering your stuff on an actor plans, you can find us at that's not canonproductions.com. Uh, uh, we're also there with a whole bunch of other uh, podcasts that are on the TNC network and more musical theatre podcasts and more musical theatre podcasts we started a trend I don't know what to tell you (laughs) Um, you can support us at patreon.com slash musicals taught me everything I know send us a couple of bucks we'll send you some extra content including a whole lot more top five episodes where we not only provide the top fives but then argue about which ones are the best ones Um, we're on Facebook Twitter the usual places and you can send us an email at musicals taught me podcast at gmail.com we'd really love you to subscribe rate and review if you're on itunes or spotify and please share us with your friends um we love to make new friends and tell them all about musicals yeah like cope with there not being musicals to be in at the moment by (laughs) thinking about musicals that you could be in in the future yeah um we (laughs) also have a huge back catalog so if you've joined us recently go back and find some some and seventy-seven <laughs> by this time episodes. Our goal is to cover all the musicals ever. That's a lot of musicals. We have we we've made the list. Yeah. Uh, and there's about five hundred and sixty left to go <laughs> at the moment. But they keep writing new ones, Zane. <laughs> well, we, no, well, we got a year to go. Everything stops so we could catch up. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, I don't want to say we organised this, but. <laughs> But there's a sunny side to every situation and that is a lesson that I learned from 42nd Street, my favourite musical. And on that note, my name is Miranda. Zane has been with me today. It's true, I'm here also. Thank you to our guest, Melissa Crabtree, all the way from Chicago, Illinois, not Illinois. So long, farewell. Avita Singh. Bye. And goodbye. Thanks, Melissa. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And we're smart enough to know better. We're a podcast of science. What's the first question you ask? Uh, How do we get a baby drunk? Comedy. What's the best way to kill Jar Jar Binks? And ignorance. Household hydrogen peroxide is like 3% to 6% hydrogen peroxide. So you can drink 94% of any hydrogen peroxide (laughs) and still be okay. Search for Smart Enough to Know Better in your podcast-compatible device. My masters just went down the toilet. (laughs) 
That's Not Gunner Productions podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 